Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. You're joining us live again from Content London 2019 on day two of the International Drama Summit. Among today's highlights, HBO Max Chief Content Officer Kevin Riley's just finished speaking in Hall One, Kate Blanchett presenting her new Australian drama series Stateless, and the premiere this evening of new BBC drama The Trial of Christine Keeler, with stars including James Norton and Sophie Cookson in attendance. There's plenty to talk about, and I'm pleased to be joined now by Killian Kerwin, executive producer on Netflix Indian drama Delhi Crime. Hey, Jonathan, thank you. Femke Volting, co-founder of Dutch production company Submarine. Hello, Jonathan. And Moritz Polzer, executive producer for international television at Germany's Bavaria Fiction. Hi, thank you for having me. Welcome, everybody. Killian, there's a big focus on India at the International Drama Summit this year. Delhi Crime's being commissioned for a second season. Uh, congratulations on that. Tell us about the show uh, and the impact that Netflix is having in the country. Sure, yeah, there is a focus on India. Uh, Netflix is there, has a big presence, uh, has gone from becoming a, a con- aggregator of content to a commissioner of content, and now they have a whole office there with 100 plus people uh, doing their they don't have to farm stuff out as much as they used to. Uh, Delhi Crime is something that um, we financed with our partners at Golden Caravan. Richie Mehta, who's a fantastic filmmaker, uh, had this idea to bring to light this, this, this heinous crime of, of this gang rape that took place in Delhi five years ago that uh, made news around the world, but telling it from the point of view of the police detectives who actually had to solve the crime and, five days they brought the six culprits to justice uh, originally it was supposed to be a feature he, he envisioned it that way but couldn't tell that story in two hours and obviously the world has changed in the last five years we have the, the platforms are willing to um, give us an opportunity now to tell stories in whatever length Kevin Riley was saying that in his talk um, and so we ended up uh, believing in his vision for it and, and, and the nature of the story and, and the voracious appetite of the platforms in India to have this kind of premium content that we took the gamble and we deficit financed the entire show and put it to the marketplace and uh, domestic in the US as well as platforms in India and the global streamers and Netflix came very aggressively and, and, and wanted the show because they felt that it would, it would give them uh, a good anchor for their important business in India and we thank them for, for doing that and yes, second season, we're in pre-production now and uh, you can look forward to seeing that sometime soon. Uh, Femke, your, your company's just won an International Emmy Award for Best Documentary, uh, so congratulations on that for your, your film about the, the Bellingcat uh, Citizen Journalism Group. Um, you're now turning that story into a drama series called The Collective, with the writers of Gamora attached, so uh, where are things at with that project? Yes, so while we were making the documentary, we thought it'd be an amazing concept as a drama series. The idea of like a group of young, regular people in a time of the Cold War coming back where people don't believe media and governments anymore and this group of young people go out to expose the truth. And so we approached Leonardo Fazzoli and Madalena Rapaglia, who are showrunners from Gomorra and also Zero Zero. And I love the idea, we just finished the pilot script and a Bible and pitch deck, so we are doing the third, taking it to the market here. And it's just being recommissioned as well for your Amazon series Undone? Yes, 
So Andan is an, um, a drama series for adults. It's animated. It's first shot live action and then rotoscoped over it. It's written by the showrunners of Bojack Horseman. And um, yeah, we just heard that Amazon Greenlit season two. So that's very exciting. Uh, Moritz, uh, this time last year, Das Boat, your big budget reimagining of the classic book and movie. Um, that had just come out on, on Sky and it's been on Hulu uh, since and been recommissioned as well for season two. And you also had a screening here yesterday for your new series, Freud. So tell us about those shows. Yeah, well, I mean, Freud, uh, Freud is a new show that, that we uh, co-produced between ORF, the public broadcaster in Austria, and Netflix, uh, who are going to take uh, worldwide rights uh, for the first territories of, 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 of most of the world. Um, and, um, and, it, and it's a co-production between Zatel Film in Austria, Heinrich Ambrosch, and, um, and it's done with Marvin Kren, uh, the, the showrunner who's also done Four Blocks. Um, that worked really, really well because, um, you know, we have a showrunner of the caliber of Marvin who has a vision, who, who knows what he wants to do, and a vision that the, the broadcaster and the streamer were both falling in line with and uh, falling in love with, and therefore there was um, no real conflict in terms of developing the story and, and the vision and how it would look and how extreme we could go and so on and so forth, which otherwise could have potentially been a problem when you think public broadcaster and Netflix and whether that, that audience uh, kind of matches. Um, the other lovely thing about, about that project is that um, we were able to, um, to carve out some territories for second windows and, and, and also first windows because um, Netflix uh, was, was a, a great partner who wanted to maximize on, on the production value uh, rather than to be rigged and say, well, we want the world and that's it. And, and you know, I think that is one of the wonderful things uh, about uh, a Netflix co-production team is that you can actually discuss what's best for the show with them and, and make those, those models work. Um, in terms of this board, uh, you said it, it was, uh, you know, it was hugely successful. Um, which is why we have a second season. We're, we're um, nearly done with post-production, still some visual effects shots to be done and, and, and sound editing and so on. But it will be ready in, in spring um, of next year, just like Freud will be ready in spring of next year. And uh, we look forward to seeing those two shows, um, you know, come to the light. So uh, all three of you, we're at the end of 2019, looking ahead to 2020. What have been the big stories for you in the industry this year? Is it the arrival or the imminent arrival of HBO Max? We've just heard from Kevin Riley a few moments ago at this event. Um, renewed pressure on on Netflix. What's 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 the kind of the big story, and uh, how are you seeing the outlook for the next year? I mean, I think that that one of the big question marks is uh, talent and budgets, and um, and and the question between doing the the multi-million dollar shows and doing the, the local shows, um, but actually producing them in the same markets and territories and, and, and therefore the rush for, for creatives, but also for technicians, you know, I mean, we are shooting, we were already shooting Das Boot and Freud simultaneously in Prague, which meant, um, you know, a strain on, on, on the local crew. And, um, and looking at next year, it's, it's only going to get worse. And then the question becomes, how do you do a local Netflix show and a global Netflix show where the budgets could be tenfold with the same local crew and pay them two different rates? And how does that work? And I think that only gets tougher with the arrival of Disney Plus, of HBO Max, of 
you know, uh, Apple, uh, all of which, um, you know, are, are looking at the world as the place to produce rather than, okay, we'll produce our big shows in America and there the, the prices for the technicians are really high and we'll produce the local content or the co-production content in Europe and therefore the, you know, the, the, the costs of production stays relatively low that has shifted and that is creating, um, well, that, that, you know, difficulties I want, I want to say and, and, and I don't really know how to tackle that. No, I think it's also an exciting time to see when all these new global streamers like Apple, Disney Plus and HBO Max all arrive in Europe, how like the public broadcasters are going to respond to that if they're going to um, com compete by pay a higher licensing fees or giving, making decisions faster or allowing for more co-productions with these platforms and whether they, those streamers will be interested in those co-productions or whether they want more and more like worldwide rights. So those are things I'm most curious about for next year. I think they are going to be interested in the worldwide rights eventually because everything is going to be worldwide. And, and, and you know, you see HBO saying, well, we're taking things back from Netflix now because we want our own stuff. They're going to want everything. And it's a great time to be content creators and it's going to only continue to get better. I agree with what Moritz was saying though too. Rates are going up in India, Latin America, South, Southeast Asia, everywhere because you can't find the writers, you can't find the, sorry, you can't find the um, technicians. And when you do, they're busy and if you want them, you got to pay more. So the attraction of going to some of these territories to shoot, you know, Bulgaria is not as cheap as it used to be. Romania is not, it's these places are, but that's great for everybody. Everyone's making money, I guess. You know, that's what makes the world go round. But it's also a question, in, in, in my opinion, um, you know, what, how the models will shape up. As I said, on, on Freud, we have a wonderful model because it's a, it's a co-production. So we can retain rights and we can, you know, we can finance the show in a way that it's, you know, individually financed. If, um, if in the future, um, you know, with the, with, the, with the new streamers coming in, it's all going to be global deals with them and um, and so it's either a global deal with a streamer or a local deal with a local uh, network then then you know things will get tougher because budgets will um, again um, change quite drastically in terms of and, and also the question of how the producer earns their money and how they mitigate their risk because if a global streamer says this is your budget and you know, you're responsible for your overages, then you don't have any way to compensate if you go over by doing additional sales. Whereas if you are doing a, a show for a local network and you go over budget, but you still have the right to sell international, at least you can get back your additional spend that you put in because you either want the bigger cast member or whatever it might be. And I think that, that that's a question that, that, that needs to be um, figured out. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just saying that it's going to be interesting to see whether this model of you know, global rights versus individual rights continues to go the global rights way as it did for the past three, four years, or whether it goes back to where it was beforehand, where you say, okay, you know, we want it for our audience worldwide, but we actually do not need all the territories because you know, we can see that in, in your home territory, it might be better to go for a local broadcaster. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's the way, I'm just saying 
it's interesting to see where that goes because but otherwise also changes when whether there's one dominant streamer or where there's five, right? Exactly. Because then you have a better negotiating power in issues like that as well. Yes, but, yes. I, yeah. but I think it is going to be the global because local streamers are going to be. You know, I, I know like Hotstar is now part of they, which was Fox in India is now owned by Disney, but they have designs to make their shows go all over, you know, they, you can get their web, you can get their platform app anywhere in the world. So I think it is going to go more and more global. But I mean, it's a difference whether it's one Netflix that's a dominant streamer or whether there's five streamers well, that do the world, five, right? Yeah, yeah, so the com then you're in a better negotiating power. Especially, well, to, to go back to your, I think one of the things like we, what we did with Delhi Crime was we deficit financed it. So we went out to the marketplace and there's supply and demand. Like, who wants to show up on the air in eight weeks instead of 18 months? Here it is, who wants to license this? And whether, you know, so you can cover your margins. Yeah. And you control, you control what your budgets are. No, I, I, I agree. I just, it's, it's a, you know, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting question. And it's a question also what happens to the distributors. You know, if that is the case, then all distributors will go bankrupt. Which I'm, you know, I mean, it's it's part of it, it's a model that they have been, uh, you know, doing, and the, and the big studios all have their own distribution arms, and they will want to keep those distribution arms. You're talking about for theatrical? Well, I'm no, I'm talking about television. Just you know, I mean, you know, NBC Universal, um, you know, CBS. Everyone is distributing. Everyone is is doing their their distribution of their domestic shows, and I think they want to continue to do that because they feel like. You know, if you target a specific country with your program, you might be able to, you know, reach more eyeballs and therefore have more value. And I, you know, I think that that that's a, you know, it's it's something that that needs to be evaluated. But they want to come in early and early, I think, to secure these rights, right? So they're more interested in co-developing projects and things like just just to be able to keep those rights with them instead of having a producer straight go to a streamer. But I think it's what you said, the leverage will be, it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? If you've got a piece of content that they want, you'll be able to negotiate better terms than if you don't. It's as simple as that, whether it's Ko-Fi or what you're carving out, etc. Okay, well, thank you so much. That was a very interesting discussion. Really appreciate your thoughts and your time today. We look forward to seeing all of your shows as they come to air. Uh, next year. That's all we have time for in this episode. So thanks to my guests, Killian, Femke, Moritz. There'll be more from the C21 podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest news coming out of the International Drama Summit and the global TV business by following C21 online, on social media and mobile. Thanks for listening. <laughs>